Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online and apps. Coming up on this week's show, Amazon makes their Premier League debut in the UK, ABC to broadcast five games from next summer's Euro 2020, impressions from Liga MX uh, playoffs this far, and uh, competition among low-cost streaming services just get, gets greater. Plus, in, in addition to that, we've got NWSL, setting the foundation possibly for some smart media moves plus we have letters from you the listeners in our mailbag section my name is christopher harris aka the gaffer and i'm joined today by my co-host kartik krishnayar now kartik you and i both have been very busy the last two weeks uh, everything from the international break to thanksgiving and uh i mean lots of things going on in our Soccer lives X. Soccer X, that's, that's right, that's right, yeah, cause Soccer X, because you went to Miami for Soccer X, and I went to North Carolina for a, a college showcase. Uh, any highlights from Soccer X? Any interesting insights in terms of the TV markets? No, I, there was just a lot of chatter about CBS uh, and, and what they're going to do with the Champions League and, and a lot of speculation about what Amazon, which obviously now we're, we're two weeks on from Soccer X and they've made their debut, what Amazon Prime is going to do in terms of covering the Premier League in the UK market. And uh, uh, it was uh, I, I, the people I've talked to uh, since the last 48 hours have uh, thought it was refreshing Um Compared to um, uh, now, it, granted, these a lot of these are Manchester City fans, so keep that in mind. Manchester City f- fans tend to have uh, a built-in grievance against the established British media, <laughs> um, right. which is something that, if you don't know the, the history of uh, the culture, fan culture of Manchester City, maybe, maybe um, you, you, get, you can get enlightened on it. Uh, there, there's this there's this perceived notion that um, the media is dominated by. Manchester Manchester United fans and Manchester United uh, corporate interests or, or aligned corporate interests. So um, there seemed to be a lot of Manchester City supporters who were very pleased with the Burnley Manchester City coverage. Yeah, uh, happy that Nigel De Jong was part of that coverage. Really, uh, former Manchester City legend, and that uh, and, um, and actually, it, was, let, 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 me just, let, let me just chime in here too for listeners who don't know. So, so this week in the United Kingdom for the first time ever. Um, the, the season, part of the rights were bought by Amazon Prime. Um, there weren't many 
uh, interested parties in it, but Amazon Prime went ahead and acquired some rights to the midweek matches this week in the UK only, nowhere else, as well as, I think, Boxing Day. I mean, so there's a lot of matches. And that's, I think, Kartik, too. I mean, a lot you know, of... I think they have a, a match day at the end of January or end of, beginning of February, midweek. So they've got those three boxes. Okay. And then, yeah, so they have three match days, basically. And that's the interesting thing, though, Kartik, too, with Amazon um, in the UK. Obviously, the same company that did the behind-the-scenes Manchester City documentary series, The All or Nothing. So there's got to be some kind of love, love-in, or so, so to speak, between the Man City fans and Amazon and, and like you said, too, looking at, say, BT Sport or looking at um, the BBC or, or Sky Sports and thinking that they're, you mean, they're jaded or they're they're biased against City um, when they're probably just trying to be fair and give it some good, fair analysis, we would hope. Um, it's interesting, too, Carter. I've obviously been in the US. I, I didn't get a chance to watch any of the UK coverage. Um, but there was a comment on WorldSoccerTalk.com today from one of our readers and let me just pull that up, too. Um, and that was in regards to the UK coverage. Uh, it was from uh, a person that uses the username me, M-E. Uh, it's not me. It's somebody else. But anyway, he says, um, the Amazon UK coverage is fantastic. Every single match has its own studio presentation, all live from each ground, its own commentary teams, and a separate live goals looking show with its own presentation team. One of the games each night is in um, UHD, Ultra HD, HDR, with everything else in full HD 1080p. The bar has been set high. And that's the thing. I mean, it's possible in the future that Amazon might look at other markets, maybe the United States, um, when the, the, the Premier League rights um, are up for expiration, which is, what, 2022? And they may look at the U.S. and say, OK, hey, well, it's working so well for us in the U.K. This is a great op- opportunity for us to uh, get more people to subscribe to Prime and get us uh, into the Amazon uh, uh, kind of uh, ecosphere. And, and here it is. And anything else, Scott, that you've heard on your side in terms of um, what the coverage has been like? Yeah, so people have been pretty happy with it. And, and the other thing I heard from the city supporters I talked to is that accessibility. Look, uh, again, this comes as a shock. And I don't know how many times a year we say this, Chris, so maybe it's not a shock to our long-time listeners anymore. But uh, to people in the U.S., how f- uh, few matches are on in the U.K. typically in the Premier League and how difficult, how inaccessible those two channels are that cover the Premier League currently, which are Sky Sports, who've covered the league since the beginning. Uh, in fact, the league was largely formed thanks to Sky Sports, large part with Sky Sports and uh, and BT Sports. So those networks are pretty inaccessible. Amazon Prime is a lower price point and a lot more accessible to the average uh, British household. So um, outside of Match of the Day, which is on terrestrial television, and you get the you get the highlights and you get the, the Match of the Day treatment. Uh, this is the most ex- in, this is the most accessible uh, say the people I've spoken to that they feel the Premier League has been in some time to them, which is uh, um, interesting. In fact, there's one uh, one uh, contact I have in the UK, and I, I know uh, he listens to this show actually, uh, who told me he hadn't, he hadn't seen the Premier League match in four years. He's watching the football league. He's he's, he's knocking around his local club in the south uh, uh, on the south coast uh, because. The Premier League's just not accessible mm-hmm. to people like him, and so he was able to watch. Uh, Manchester City and Burnley uh, on um, Amazon Prime and and, and uh, uh, was thankful that he got to see a Premier League match for a change. 
Yeah, and uh, some of the commentators, uh, Derek Cray was doing one of the matches. Um, John Champion uh, went over there to do... Ian Dark. Ian Dark. So so in terms of the crew that they use, the talent, the studio, um, all, all top-name people. So it it's an impressive... Um, beginning for amazon it does make you wonder like i said before too about the premier league but why not stop at the premier league i mean there's other going to be other rights available too i mean major league soccer is another uh, one that's up in in a couple of years um and i'm sure there'll be lots of other soccer rights available too so obviously the uk being a very extremely soccer centric uh, market um that's the big one there um, but we'll have to wait and see in the United, in the United States. Hopefully we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see some uh, Amazon bidding on some of these rights pretty soon. Now, Kartik, um, anything else from this past week? Well, actually, we haven't talked about anything from this past week that you've watched. Um, well, actually, let, let me chime in here, uh, Kartik. One thing that I find that at this time of the year, we're entering that phase, that busy time of the European soccer calendar, um, where the games are coming thick and fast. And, and to me, they seem more exciting. They seem more open-ended. Uh, we've had everything from, I mean, lots of 2-2s, 3-3s, a lot of defensive mistakes, um, a lot of teams pushing harder, uh, which leaves holes in the back sometimes. I mean, it's it's a busy time. It's, a, it's an important time of the season. But the Norwich-Arsenal game over the weekend, I enjoyed. Uh, the Man United-Aston Villa game, uh, the last Thursday's uh, Sporting Braga against Wolves game played in rain. Really, really good game. Monday's uh, Mainz against Frankfurt game was another great one. Uh, the Newcastle Man City match I thought was uh, was intriguing in terms of the back and forth and, and just some spectacular goals there. What do you think, Kartik? Do you agree that it, is this just a uh, kind of a a myth that, that it gets more exciting, or, or are you feeling it? Well, I mean, I think it's the game matches are exciting. I mean, I think they're entertaining. That doesn't mean that it's quality football. I think the best match from a football perspective was at Letty and uh, Barcelona. That was a match that took an absolutely brilliant goal to break a, a nil-nil deadlock. Yeah. Uh, brilliant goal by Messi toward the end of that match. But uh, and, I, and I wonder if also if Simeone, they, they spent more money now. They've got... Uh, They've got some really good attacking players. Obviously, lost Griezmann, but maybe he's having a hard time adjusting to being to playing a more fluid, free flowing, uh, entertaining style. But yeah, I think that these matches have been entertaining. I, I, I thought um, there were some very, very entertaining matches this weekend. Although we saw some some good defending too, because I think um, you had to have very good defending from Leverkusen to see out that two one uh, at the Allianz against uh, Bayern. Thought that was a very, very surprisingly good defensive performance in the second half, given how Petter Bosch's teams often defend <laughs> in those situations, and particularly have defended against Bayern um, and his history of playing Bayern at both Dortmund and uh, and Leverkusen. And then I think, quite quite honestly, this might sound uh, uh, ridiculous, but I think Manchester United, given the, that 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 match was fraught with danger towards the end, uh, I'm talking about the match on. Uh, uh, not the match against Spurs, uh, which I have not seen yet, but the match against Aston Villa, mm-hmm. that they defended pretty well in the last 20, 25 minutes. So sometimes the score lines can be misleading. There are some good individual pieces of defending. Manchester United did not start uh, Phil Jones in this match like they did against Sheffield United, which, um, yeah, I felt bad. I thought the commentators, we didn't have a show last week, but I thought the commentators were really rough, rough on Phil Jones. He had a horrible match, clearly, first half. Sheffield United, Mosset in particular, taking advantage of him. But when a guy doesn't play for six months, or however long he hasn't played, then plays one mat, plays 45 minutes, then doesn't play again for four months, then plays 45 minutes, what do you expect? 
a guy's going to be rusty. So um, I think sometimes commentators overdo it when they pick on defenders, uh, since we're having this conversation about defenders yeah. and, and watching it on TV. Yeah, just a few things, uh, other things to kind of point out in terms of what I observed uh, this past week or so. Um, a lot of the games I watched, actually, I, I followed, I listened to uh, on Talk Sports. So, I mean, Thanksgiving weekend, a lot of driving around, uh, not being in front of the television as much as I'm used to. Um, but really watch listening to uh, Talk Sports, uh, what, what they call Game Day Live, which is the, the live uh, commentary of the Premier League as well as going around the grounds and, of course, going through the, the Football League and the conference uh, in terms of all the latest scores and you know, the latest goals and, and stories. Um, very useful, very informative. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Talk Sports' general discussion and talk throughout the week. I think it's a little bit laboured. But uh, on match days, it, it's really in Champions League too. Uh, Champions League uh, games too, they do the same thing too. That it, it is really kind of a must-have if you're uh, traveling or you're not in front of a television set. Um, a couple of other things too. Um, VAR, we, we've talked about uh, so many times, but uh, a couple of interesting things I thought in this was the Man United uh, Aston Villa game. Arlo White, uh, I don't know. With, with VAR, it's 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 taken a little bit of the. The passion out of the commentators, uh, you mean kind of the goal calls, because the, even the commentator doesn't know whether or not that's going to be a goal, you mean at the end of the day, like it was in the past, or, or upon VAR review, maybe it's pulled back. So in the game Man United against Aston Villa, uh, Arla White said, it's 2-2 pending a VAR review. And that, that sucks out all of the energy and yeah, pa- passion yeah. from the call. Because um, I'm listening to it going, he's getting excited. I mean, he was excited. It was a good call. But then I'm like, oh, my God. Like, like what happens now if, if the VAR review says, like, just no, no goal? Um, that's one thing. The other thing, too, Kartik, is um, just watching a little bit more of the Bundesliga from the past week or so. Um, I, I, actually, one more thing before I move to the Bundesliga. Man United's uh, Spurs game... Um, which you haven't had a chance to watch yet. But that one was um, another one that, that was mentioned by NBC. I think it was Arlo White again, was VAR Review brought to you by Verizon. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, God, really? <laughs> I mean, I mean, NBC are masters of um, commercialising, you mean, the Premier League broadcasts. They're looking for different ways to, you mean, to have more sponsors involved. But VAR Review brought to you by Verizon. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that's, that's kind of distasteful. Um, I, I do want to uh, give NBC kudos for something this week, both on uh, – and I said I haven't watched the game, the Wednesday game yet, but I do I, – I, kind of fast-forwarded through the broadcast. Uh, I want to sit down and watch the match, this dispersed Man United match when I have a chance. But, um, yeah, Chris, I think uh, one quick thing, as a matter of fact, we um, we tend to be sometimes very hard on NBC, and particularly uh, our listeners now have become uh, very angry, apoplectic, in fact, in, in some cases, toward this whole NBC Sports Gold thing. I, I do have to give NBC credit for... Um, Tuesday and Wednesday, though, they had overlapping fixtures with a staggered kickoffs, 45 minutes apart, and they did their best to show one complete game. It was Manchester City Burnley on Tuesday, uh, Manchester United Spurs on Wednesday, uh, overlapping it with uh, a match that kicked off at another time. So it was Palace Bournemouth on Tuesday. Uh, you saw a good 
percentage of the first half of that match, uh, if you watched on NBC SN, and then Liverpool Everton, where you saw the last forty minutes of the match on Wednesday in the Merseyside Derby. They didn't shortchange us on studio programming, uh, full pregame show with uh, Kyle Martino, Robbie Earl, Ahmed Farid, uh, full postgame show with the same uh, trio. Both days, but, so but Carter, um, you, you can't you can't give them credit for that. I mean that the, the the kickoff times were arranged by the league; they had nothing to do with NBC. Um, in, in some ways, I mean, it's good to, that they have the bonus coverage that they you mean they have the one game. That, that's yeah, that's and then and then they have the, the second game after that. Um, but I wouldn't give them. Well, I, I give them credit for for showing it, but I, I don't think it's anything. You mean out of this world because it's one of those things. If they didn't show it, you mean people would be going, going around like, "What? What the heck's going on at the, the Liverpool Everton game?" Or what? What? You mean that was the? I guess oh, well, they're the, trying the to sell game. gold, and they were hoping. Right. So, so I mean, we 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 criticized Bleacher Report live a lot, and I know m- m- a lot of our listeners don't like them, but at least you can buy uh, daily packages or, or single games. Single game, right? Right. Because I know a lot of people who wanted to watch the Merseyside Derby who were like, "Oh my gosh, you're not showing it." Well, they ended up showing the last forty minutes of it, so. Credit to NBC for that. Uh, the reason I want to give them credit is they did not shortchange us on studio programming because I thought, okay, uh, when I saw the programming block, I said, okay, so they're just not going to do a post game show. They're cutting into the programming. But then they did take post game to six both days. Right. Uh, with yeah. Goldzone, uh, with, with the same trio uh, studio uh, talent. So. I, uh, well, you know, maybe they don't deserve that much credit, but at least they didn't shortchange us, I guess, in order to try and push gold further on us. Yeah, in, in some ways, the bar is set so low with some of the competitors that uh, you mean anything that um, you mean NBC or, or ESPN does that that's 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 decent is lauded in some ways because it's you mean the Fox's coverage is so bad, which is what I was going to talk about a minute ago, which is the um, watching some of the Bundesliga games in the last couple of weeks. The thing that pisses me off big time is I'm watching a game. At halftime, the whistle blows. The commentator on the world feed says, all right, that was a great uh, 45 minutes. And, and mid-sentence, cutting them right off, going right into a commercial. Yeah. And the same thing at full-time. At full-time, even the Mainz-Frankfurt uh, game. I mean, it ended. It was a really exciting uh, game, 2-1 to Mainz. I mean, fans, uh, I mean, just uh, going crazy. The players, I mean, I mean hugging each other. And it's a big derby, too, by the way, for those that don't follow German football. Oh, that's true. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And mid-sentence with the world feed, right to a commercial. And the commercial, a really abrupt ending. And that's the thing. In the past, what, a year ago, six months ago, we would have had um, one of the Fox, I mean, it could have been Christian Miles or one of the other voiceover talents at Fox. Ian uh, Joy. Uh, oh, voiceover, yeah. Rogan Dino. Rogan Miles, Dino. One of them. Yeah. Right. So Dave Denholm. Yeah, Dave Den- Denholm especially, uh, a really familiar voice in terms of doing the voiceovers, saying, okay, well, that was full-time with their minds. Wasn't there a great victory for, for the, the, you mean, the, the smaller club? And and uh, we'll be right back after the commercial with some additional information, whatever, whatever it may be. But they don't even do that anymore. So I, I don't know if they're if they've uh, cutbacks, layoffs. They just don't care. Uh, I mean, I mean, so so so. so but when game matches are on FS1, this is the really bizarre thing. Uh, you mentioned SoccerX earlier. I saw Stu Holden there. I had had lovely chat with him, um, and he told me, "Oh, I'm flying back out because uh, the next day because I, I have to get there. I, I, uh, I'm in the studio this weekend for the Bundesliga, and 
the conversation basically was, oh yeah, the games on games are on FS1 this weekend. So of course you're doing a full studio. You're making sure you've got Holden in there. You're making sure you got Lawless available, uh, Ian Joy, etc. But then when the match is on FS2, they <laughs> pretend like it's an infomercial. I mean, so that's the other thing is the schizophrenia because I think Fox genuinely has done a, a, a decent job, if not better than decent, in, in broadcasting Bundesliga games on FS1. And I am going to miss it next year. I know uh, people have hit me hard for saying I'm. I, I'm not thrilled. I, I'm a skeptic right now of this ESPN deal and would have preferred for the league to stay on Fox. But, um, but you know, maybe but, I'll but, be convinced. But what, of that. what are you missing, though, Kartik? What will you miss next next season? Oh, I'll miss being able to, 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 to win. You know, the Premier League, I know I know so many people think the Premier League is... is, is, uh, is no, 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 football. Not about I mean, the league. I, I want to change the channel. No, 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 no not about the league, but... This league a match. What about Fox's, uh, Fox's coverage? That. Next year, I'm not going to be able to do that. Right. I'll have to turn on uh, my iPad or go to Roku or something. I, I mean, that's... Right. They, you're I going get, from I get, FS1 I get that. To, to ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, I get that. And for me, too. I mean, for me to go ahead and watch FS2 or FS1 or whatever channel it would be, and then to watch it on ESPN+, Plus, it's not a seamless transition. I mean, I either have to go from you mean, my Amazon Fire TV stick to my Roku, or I have to you mean, you mean, go to the source, input source, change it. I mean, it's not an easy kind of flipping the channel um, as it is with cable or satellite, uh, or depending on how you have your Amazon Fire set up. Uh, or, or Roku or, or whatever device, Apple TV, etc. I'll give you. I'll give you that. What, what I will not miss is Fox's coverage of the Bundesliga. In in many ways, it's it's almost like a bubble. So so you're running into Stu Holden. That's great to, to talk to him, and he's excited about the Bundesliga. But the bubble that they're living in is that they think that people know when these games are going to be on. And the reality right. is, I, I have no idea. Each week until a, a few days before. Uh, and I'm and I'm covering the the TV schedules religiously. If a game is going to be an FS1, FS2, or or even the Mainz Frankfurt game that was on Fox Soccer Plus oh, on Monday. Leverkusen Bayern was too. I, I wanted to point that out, Chris. Thank you for for bringing that up. And sorry to cut you off, but I, I want to point this this out that it was a free preview week for Fox Soccer Plus. So I got to watch that match, which for me was one of the be- best matches of the week. Against the results of the weekend, but um, why was that match on FS Plus? I, um, well, so this is where there's an accessibility issue, right? <laughs> because the reason it was on FS Plus is college football was going on on FS1, FS2, and on – oh, no, college basketball on FS2, college football on FS1, and um, Fox. Now, this, is, this was one of maybe two or three weekends in a year when you have both college football and college basketball going on in mass. Uh, generally, uh, that does not happen, so generally that – game would not get bumped at FS Plus. However, it did get bumped, and those are two big clubs. That was a big, big match, two clubs that are also in the Champions League this season. So I, I thought it was just very lucky for me, personally, that I got to watch the match because yeah. it was a free preview weekend for FS uh, Fox Soccer Plus. Well, well, that's the thing, though. I mean, I didn't know about this free preview for Fox Soccer Plus until you mentioned it. I mean, probably most of our listeners probably didn't know either. It's like, I mean, they have this entity, they have this channel, uh, there's a free weekend. They're not even letting people know that it's, I mean, it's available for free. Um, but but the other thing... No, and, and you know what? I, I didn't know it either. So I went, because the Premier League match at 1230 Eastern was Watford and Southampton, I think, right? Yeah. I, I don't want to watch that match. And I knew Bayern was playing Leverkusen. So I looked on FS1, wasn't there, looked on FS2. But then 
on my program guide, I saw Fox Soccer Plus was bolded. And I said, that's weird. Why is it bolded? I don't get that channel because they, they leave the channels you don't get unbolded. Right. And I went to there and it was a free preview. Yeah. Well, so otherwise, I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have yeah. seen the match otherwise. And and that's that's one of my that is probably my biggest complaint about Fox Sports is communication. It's just the basics. Just that they have all these properties, they have all these rights, they have all these channels. Uh, they have they have some good talent. They have some good studio talent. They have some good commentator talent. Um, some not so good, but 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 for the most part, it, it, decent. But the the issue I have is just communication in terms of just the basics, getting the information out there to soccer fans, to websites, to journalists, etc. Monday's game, Kartik, the the Mainz Frankfurt game, which probably most of our listeners didn't didn't watch, uh, which is fine. There's no problem with that. I watched it. I enjoyed it. But the reason that was on Fox Soccer Plus is, is because there was something else on FS2. And I think it was Kevin Egan, I think, uh, over the weekend, probably on Monday, tweeted out and said, like, hey, does anyone know uh, what channel uh, the, the Ballon d'Or is on? And I thought to myself, I don't know. Is it on? Usually it's on YouTube. FIFA has the kind of the live feed on YouTube. Well, I found out later it was on FS2. And I'm like, man, Fox, FS2. Yeah. FS2 didn't let anybody know that it's actually on that channel. I would have DVR'd it if I'd known that. Right. And and that's why the the Bundesliga was bumped to Fox Soccer Plus for that that Monday game. Um, But this is is not just the Bundesliga. This is across Fox Sports. Um, Just the consistency or inconsistency in terms of communication, not knowing when they'll be in the studio, not knowing when they're not... Uh, all those things, it just it's just a really frustrating experience. And, and I don't know, it seems to be that Fox is kind of um, kind of blind to that. It just doesn't seem to care. And it's just focused on U.S. men's national team, U.S. women's national team, Major League Soccer, and what, the, the World Cup and the Women's World Cup and maybe Gold yeah. Cup too. And that's about it. That, that That's all they seem to care about these days. Yeah, and I, I don't know... Uh how much they really care about major league soccer. I don't, I don't think their MLS coverage has been, um, it, it's still it, look, ESPN took a step up where, I and mean, we said this on a couple of podcasts ago, uh, with, with John champion this year, I don't see any sort of, uh, uh, response from Fox, uh, equivalent response or anything even remotely resembling that. I do think they put a lot of effort into the U S men's and women's national team. That, yeah. that I, that I will say. Sure. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, the TV streaming news, and we've got some big news this week. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a pretty, uh, pretty, pretty big week. Uh, in, and again, we, uh, we haven't been with you for a couple of weeks, so a lot's happened. Um, ABC is going to televise five games in the Euro 2020. You, you uh, uh, re- reported on it on, uh, on Tuesday, Chris, and a uh, uh, lot of excitement about that however i wasn't so excited when i saw the matches that they're showing right um that it just it's unfortunately the time slots that those abc time slots fit into were matches like uh poland and spain and, and mm-hmm. i think uh russia and it was russia and germany oh, belgium. russia and Russia and Belgium. So that could be a competitive match, but I think that we think Belgium is going to win that. Uh, Spain, Poland, same thing. Uh, and the final will be on ESPN, uh, like it has been since 2012. 2008, it was on ABC. But it's good to see ABC's now working its way back into the soccer space. MLS Cup uh, was the first match on ABC since the 2014 World Cup, that we think, or 2016 Euros. Um, and obviously, uh, now, uh, 2020 Euros, there'll be five matches on ABC. Yeah, and, and with this one too, with uh, ABC especially, um, as well as ESPN and ESPN2, I mean, this for me will be ESPN's opportunity to 
uh, advertise, really, uh, the Bundesliga coverage uh, and ESPN+. Plus. I mean, this is a, gr- a great way for them to, I mean, over the end, uh, five games as well as ESPN and ESPN2, is really get people excited about the Bundesliga. And and hopefully, I mean, from their perspective, Germany will, will do well in the tournament. Um, and a lot of those players you can see then on ESPN+, Plus starting in August of 2020. Moving on, Kartik, to the next news item, and that is that Liverpool FC have launched a premium content offer on the on their YouTube channel. So what they've offered now is a paid su- subscription model on their YouTube channel. There's, there's a couple of different levels of membership. Uh, the first level is, I think, $1.28 a month in the UK and gives access uh, to emojis and loyalty badges, as well as uh, two live shows every match pre- and post-match interviews and exclusive community posts. Um, definitely skewing to a, a younger demographic there. Level 2 membership is um, about about $3.50 a month or so and contains all the features from Level 1 as well as access to U18 games, U23 games, match, hi- match highlights, weekly previews and review shows and content from the training ground. Uh, to me, Kartik, this is uh, just a, another way for Liverpool to look at ways to monetize. I mean, to look at, at uh, trying to get more and more money from their supporters uh, worldwide. Uh, whether or not this will work, we'll have, you mean, we, we don't know. But um, to me, in some ways, though, too, it, it takes away from the, the broadcasters. I mean, the broadcasters and um, other YouTube channels out there, they're looking for ways to go ahead and, and add their own co- content Here's another thing here that Liverpool will have, uh, you mean, first access to a lot, a lot of this information, and will be able to, um, you mean, pr- talk about and promote and film and shoot and stuff like that for for their fans. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, Liverpool um, launching their own YouTube channel. Next up, Kartik, and and this could have some big ramifications, and, and seems to be to me a smart move. Yeah, so uh, this actually was another topic uh, you asked me at the outset what was discussed at SoccerX, and I, I made it sound like there wasn't much, but this was another thing that was discussed uh, at length, actually, on a panel discussion, which is Octagon. Uh, now, uh, shopping the NWSL's rights uh, for the next three seasons, uh, none of those seasons are women's World Cup years, although there is an Olympics, uh, the Tokyo Olympics in one of those seasons, obviously the 2020 season. So uh, this is a a smart strategic move, uh, I think, by uh, NWSL. They're trying because we've seen a bump come out of every World Cup. We saw a bump for WPS in 2011, then the league disappeared. We saw a bump come out of uh, 2015 for NWSL, now a really big bump come out of 2019. But it's never been sustainable. Uh, Octagon is shopping the league to partners that want to be part of the league, not just part of World Cup mania. So uh, watch this space. I think this is a very, very big thing. Um, there's a lot of speculation that also about uh, contracts and, 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 and players and U.S. women's national team players. Sam Kerr just left the league, uh, made her debut with Chelsea recently. So a um, lot going on in the NWSL and women's football space to keep an eye on. And it has huge implications for media rights and for the domestic league here in the U.S., yeah, I like this move for a lot of different reasons. Um, most of all is trying to add value to the NWSL in those non-World Cup years. So so in the last few years, what, we've had several different, uh, we had the Lifetime had rights, A&E had rights to NWSL. Um, I think it was at Yahoo Sports. 
Yahoo the, Sports the, did. Uh, NWSL.com. Uh, someone else. I mean, that's uh, over, website. Oh, Verizon, the, uh, what was that thing called? Go90. Go90. So, so, and that's the thing. It's been very inconsistent. It's been almost like one-year deals or a one-year deal that was Actually, Fox showed games coming out of the 15 World Cup, too, NWSL yeah. World Cup, uh, NWSL matches, and then now ESPN. So that's, what, five, six broadcast partners in a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, Lifetime had invested in the league, uh, and... Uh, and then um, the league bought back uh, that uh, that share of the business that they had sold to Lifetime. And, and some, some people who cover women's soccer very closely have questioned the wisdom of the league parting ways with Lifetime. This might alleviate that. This octagon deal yeah. might soften that blow. Yeah, it's a smart move because it, it really is trying to get a firm foundation saying, saying OK, all right, let's go. Let's do a three year deal. Uh, and let's have someone commit to those three years and, and go all in, and we'll work closely together with them to make this a success, Ra- rather than kind of the the short term vision, which is I mean been I mean for a lot of soccer fans in the United States, if you ask them about NWSL who's who's broadcasting those games, there'll probably be a lot of confusion. But whoever gets the rights for this three year deal. Uh, hopefully we'll get the word out really, really well, and then people will know where the home of NWSL is. Now, moving on, Kartik, uh, an industry analyst this week estimates that the MLS expansion fees could increase from $200 million to as much as $600 million for teams 31 and 32 in order for teams uh, team owners to try to recoup their investment in the league because the TV revenue numbers don't work otherwise. Now, currently, MLS owners are making less than $3 million a year from TV revenue based on the current TV deal that generates $90 million a year for the league for rights to Major League Soccer, U.S. Men's National Team, and U.S. Women's National Team. But that $90 million is split between 26 franchise owners. Now, in in an interview with Glenn Crooks on Pro uh, Soccer USA, uh, industry analyst uh, Corey Leff said, quote, If the TV media rights deal is only generating $3 million per team, the question becomes, is there anybody that's willing to buy a $600 million asset that generates $30 million in revenue? That does not sound like a great investment. So some some really kind of um, sharp remarks here from that that industry analyst. And uh, and with MLS expanding so quickly, which is good news in terms of money pouring into the league, um, you look at other leagues from around the world. You look at, you mean the Premier League. You look at uh, the Bundesliga. You look at uh, La Liga, and most of the revenue that those top leagues generate are from television revenue. I mean that that's really kind of the fuel that that drives these uh, clubs to, to to be able to get that big huge amounts of money to go ahead and buy some of the best players in the world. And in the United States, you don't have that. You, yes, you do have a TV deal uh, that's split between Fox and ESPN and Univision. But, uh, but that's also split then between MLS, U.S. men's national team, and the U.S. women's national team. So in this next TV deal, which is coming up uh, 2022, um, roughly, uh, oh, 2023, actually, it's going it's to be more important than ever for Major League Soccer to get a big amount of money in order to go ahead and uh, justify to a lot of these owners that are spending even $200 million for a team. And as this analyst uh, predicts, it, it, could, it could go up to $600 million for teams 31 and 32. Now, last but not least, Kartik, just a couple of quick items. And that is that uh, Fanatis, 
which is a streaming service that specializes mostly in South American soccer. They've now added Gold TV in English to its list of channels available. Um, and that is, uh, there are, I think, $7.99 a month. Uh, you get Gold TV both in Sp- English and Spanish, as well as all of the, uh, the BN Sports uh, channels, including the BN uh, Sports Connect channels and TYC Sports and much more. And then there's another uh, new streaming um, platform called Vidgo, which uh, I've recently found out about. They're in the U.S., uh, another streaming solution. This one uh, is $14.99 a month uh, for the English package, which includes BN Sports and a ton of English language uh, news and entertainment channels. They also have a Latino mass package, which is $24.99, that includes BN Sports and BN Sports and Espanol, as well as TYC Sports, Azteca America, and much more. So we'll have more details about those um, updates from uh, both Fanatis and Vidgo um, at worldsoccertalk.com. Moving on to TV ratings, Kartik, um, this is something actually we forgot to mention at, at the uh, start of this broadcast is your impressions and uh, what you saw from uh, the Liga MX playoffs. I, I didn't get a chance to watch the games, but uh, what were they like? Oh, wait, I, I forgot that I was going to mention that on the outset. Uh, the first leg of, of uh, uh, Club America Tigres was on uh, uh, was on Thursday night on 2DNA. And uh, I, th- the wraparound coverage they give for Liga MX is, is phenomenal. And I, Univision has always been good at covering certain teams and certain aspects of Mexican football. And obviously, we've had matches on all kinds of different channels here. Telemundo, Azteca America, ESPN Deportes, whoever, Fox Deportes through the years. Uh, We still get some uh, Tijuana matches on Fox. But um, the the partnership with Televisa, I think, and and the more integration of Televisa features into these – although, you know, I I know there are people who will, of course – question all of that considering Televisa is a shareholder in a number of these clubs but um, that we're talking about but just ignore that for a minute um, and in fact there was a time when uh, the Premier League had a single similar arrangement with B-Sky B being an investor in several Premier League clubs but uh, the coverage is just very comprehensive it feels like a big deal they present really well um, there is obviously the, 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 the classic Latino passion from, from the commentators but just the, the, the camera work the uh, the production quality is better than uh, historically Univision and Telemundo were in in their own productions. Right when they were taking their own doing their own productions of, of, of soccer matches, of football matches. So that's the first leg that was on um, on Thursday night. Sunday night, the second leg uh, was a phenomenal match. Uh, Tigres, who I mean, these are two of the big big clubs, obviously in Mexican football. Uh, Club America being the best supported club. Um, I had a, mm-hmm. uh, a, a, <laughs> a back and forth, as, as some people may have seen on Twitter a week ago, after the Copa Libertadores finals, uh, final. Is Club America more popular or, or uh, th- those two teams that were in that final, right? Um, and uh, maybe it's my point of view being living in North America. I think Club America is one of the biggest clubs in terms of support in the world. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it was just so, so well covered, such a good dramatic um second leg and and i i think the the thing is 2dna and mexican football chris are becoming more mainstream and um this is partly because there are more mls fans and american soccer fans keeping an eye on uh, liga and mechies and then i think 2dna is becoming more of a uh more of a household destination even for english language 
Yeah. Right. Especially even for English language dominant uh, uh, fans, because of uh, how poorly Fox or how biased many of us perceive Fox is in covering the U.S. men's national team, and then TNT's abdication of uh, Europa League completely, or, or Turner's abdication of Europa League, and their uh, unwillingness to broadcast uh, most of the Champions League except behind a, a paywall. So, uh, to the NA has ended up being, and Univision Networks in general, a destination for English language fans, mm -hmm. and that now has translated to more of them watching Mexican football. I, I don't know that Univision knew that would happen. I don't know that Univision intended for that to happen, but it seems to have worked. The promotion of uh, of these two matches in the Mexican the Liga Mekis, uh, pl uh um, playoffs during Europa League, uh, Braga Wolves on Thursday, and then the previous two days Champions League, I think spiked the rating a little bit. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah. And we'll get to the ratings uh, in the next section, obviously. Right, which actually is this section right here. But but actually, with the Europa League, um, watching that last Thursday on Tudo Na, um, there was. I was actually pleasantly surprised um, seeing a lot of uh, promos, like ads for the Bundesliga. I mean, they were like talking about this weekend's coverage uh, up, up on. I mean, Sunday was Bayern Munich, and then Monday was Mainz, and so on and so forth. So that's good to see because I'm, I'm not seeing that on Fox. Um, but going back to what you were saying about Liga MX, is one of the biggest secrets in the United States in terms of for soccer viewers is that um, a lot of these games are available in English language. So, for example, uh, Tigres against Club America and Club America against Tigres, both of these uh, two games, you mean the quarterfinals, the first leg, second leg, collectively on television got um, 3.7 million viewers. So I think uh, each game averaged about 1.8 million viewers per game. Just enormous figures there. But both of these games and other Liga MX playoff games and regular season games too are available in English language. Um, there's a few different options to choose from. But we have an article on the homepage of worldsoccertalk.com, which is uh, how to watch Liga MX in English language. And it goes into the details and shows you that. And, and that's something too that from my perspective before um, copy editing the article – um, I mean, I knew of some of it, but not all of it. So it's something that we're learning more and more. And and I think Univision, I think they're strategic with this. I think they knew going into um, buying a lot of these rights that this could be something that would be interesting to English language viewers, as well as bilinguals. I mean, it's more and more people in, in the United States are bilingual. Um, and Univision has acquired a lot of the English language rights to these clubs, um, as well as Fox. Fox is beginning to uh, acquire some, even though they're not communicating and letting anyone know about it. So, um, yeah, yeah, it, it's exciting times. And uh, and that's the thing, too. I think it's uh, more and more of us are starting to watch Liga Max. It just takes time. It, it would take probably a lot longer because we're learning more about the clubs, about the history, um, about the about, about the rival, the rivals and and this that and the other and how and how it works in terms of the playoffs. So um, so I, in the last few years I've come a long way. Um, and and Kartik, I think you've been watching Liga Liga Max for a lot longer than I have. Um, but yeah, yeah, three point seven million people, and this was just the quarterfinal. Uh, the numbers are expected to go higher and higher as Club America uh, advances through these uh, uh, competitions. So the TV ratings, we'll go ahead and have those at worldsoccertalk.com. Uh, all the details for the Champions League, Liga MX, uh, Premier League, 
and much can, more. Can I also, can I yeah. also point out one other thing about the TV ratings? Sure. I think uh, what we've seen, in spite of uh, the clunkiness of TNT's coverage and, and uh, putting money most of the matches behind the paywall, is that the ratings are, I think, now on average, significantly better than than they were on Fox. Um, yeah, or, they probably, are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. So, so I think what you're seeing is ratings up on, on, on both the English language and Spanish language side, uh, in spite of uh, the fears that, that um, splitting the package would end up just cannibalizing the audience, uh, Spanish from English or, or vice versa. Um, and this sets up beautifully for CBS because the property now is in a place where its numbers are, are actually now better than when NBC took over the Premier League, or, or maybe not better, but similar. Um, and they, they weren't similar when TNT took over the package. So, um, but, but we could be in the same place as we are right now with TNT. I mean, it's possible that CBS uh, over-the-air network shows the final, and then CBS All Access, their streaming package behind the paywall, which is cheaper than than uh, Bleacher Report Live, yeah, but yeah. still, but still, it could be that all the games are available. Um, well, true, all the games true. will, will yeah, be yeah, available yeah. there. That's true. So it, we could be in the same situation. Actually, maybe even worse in some ways. Uh, at least TNT is more accessible. But if uh, and again, too, we don't know what the details are yet. Nobody knows yet in terms of CBS what they're planning. Uh, we're hoping that they make the right decisions and learn from the mistakes that uh, Turner Sports made with the coverage of Europa League and the Champions League. And, and um, there are ways to make it work and probably find the balance between um, being able to generate revenue through streaming products, but also at the same time uh, show more games on television, which would hopefully then lead to more uh, sales on the on signups on, on the actual streaming side again. But um, again, we, we have to wait for CBS to make their announcement and get more details. And as soon as we do, we'll share those with you, the listeners. Now, Kartik, moving on to the listener mailbag. Uh, first up is Dave Brunk. And Dave says, uh, I was out for a run and listening to the pod. Kartik's mentioning of the big three networks and how those of a certain vintage have a different point of view on Fox cracked me up. Thanks for the laugh. Actually, we had a few people uh, mention that too, Kartik, uh, on Twitter about uh, about you sounding v- very vintage. Um Trey Hamilton says, my questions are what happens to what happened to all of the League One games on BN Sports Connect? And Trey continues, he says, uh, do you think ESPN Plus will show the Bundesliga 2 and Serie B games? And just curious, how many games do you guys watch in a week on average? Keep up the good work, guys. So Trey... Um, what I do every week is I basically kind of write my own notes from the games I watch, and then just uh, and that way when I when I do the podcast to a Kartik, um, I mean I can look look back at those notes just as kind of a, uh, just to rekindle my memory of what happened in those games. But from this past week, I watched fourteen games, so an average of two two a day. Um, I mean sometimes more on weekends, sometimes less on weekends. It just depends what's happening with my kids. But roughly about fourteen is probably a good number. Uh, do I think that ESPN Plus will show the Bundesliga 2? I believe so. There's been no detail about it yet. Um, I know with the Bundesliga, uh, the, the regular top-flight Bundesliga league, like right now, Fox has the rights to that, and then they show the, the Bundesliga 2 games on Fox Soccer Match Pass. Um, that's likely to continue with um, the, the new rights deal for the Bundesliga, having almost all the games uh, from the Bundesliga on ESPN Plus. Um, except for four a season on television 
and very likely to have the Bundesliga 2 on ESPN+. Serie, Serie B, which is the second division of the uh, Serie A in Italy, um, those rights have just been picked up by DAZN. So DAZN now has the J-League in the US as well as Serie B. So uh, I'm not sure how long that deal is for, but uh, check out uh, DAZN if you want to uh, watch Serie B. And um, what happened to the League Earn games on BN Sports Connect? It used to be, up until maybe a few months ago, or maybe even a few weeks ago, that BN Sports had almost every single League One game from France um, every weekend, and uh, almost all of those games were on BN Sports Connect, other than the PSG games. What's happened in the past couple of months, I think it is, is that uh, those numbers of games, maybe there was like eight, eight a weekend on BN Sports Connect, are now roughly one or two. Um, I don't know why. I haven't looked into it. If I had to make a guess on this one, this would be lack of interest, that there aren't as many people watching these games. Um, They have the rights to show them. No one else has picked up the rights. Um, But for whatever reason, they are not showing as many League One games on being Sports Connect as they used to. All right, Kartik, how about you? How many games do you think uh, a week do you watch? On average, yeah, I guess maybe six or seven matches a week, right? Um, uh, 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 or, or, or more. I, I guess, yeah. Let's just be conservative and say about seven. So, um, I, I think that it's a uh, uh, kind of a similar, uh, similar thing. How, how do I, uh, uh, how do I keep track? Similar to you, take notes. Uh, sometimes I have to go back and watch portions of the the commentators commentary and the studio to make my proper notes about that aspect of it and not just the game itself yeah and yeah and sometimes i actually go back to some of my tweets and and that'll help uh refresh my memory too some of the things uh, some observations i made uh next up is nathan and nathan says first off love the podcast and the insights um so i'd like to talk about the upcoming euro 2020 and espn's coverage it's most likely studio coverage will originate from Amsterdam since the IBC, uh, the International Broadcast Centre, is located. Since Bob Lee and Mike Tirico left, there is no clear replacement at as the host, although I think Steve Bauer, who hosted last time, would be an excellent choice. He's been presenting for Premier League TV and is set to present Prime Video UK's Amazon's live goals show for the Premier League this week. It could also be a smart move to partner with UK partner BT Sport and take advantage of their excellent production crew and on-air personalities such as Jake Humphrey, uh, Daniel Curry. Matt Smith, Lindsay Hipgrave, or James Richardson could be added to the presentation team, as well as a multitude of pundits and commentators like league commentators uh, Darren Fletcher, Ian Dark, John Champion, and Adrian Healy uh, will most likely return, and possibly Derek Ray. Um, before we go on and read the rest of Nathan's comments there, Kartik, what do you think as far as a host? Do you think that they would go... With the UK presenter, like Steve Bauer, or do you think there's someone on the US side that might uh, take that instead? Well, they've used Steve Bauer before, and obviously they've used Lindsay Hipgrave uh, in the 2014 World Cup uh, as well. Uh, they do have a partnership. I uh, uh, I think they would probably, and Daryl Curry previously uh, did features for ESPN in the, U- uh, the, e- the yeah. US coverage. That's a tantrum. Um, uh, yeah, and uh, obviously Satanta before that, uh, as with James Richardson, Satanta before that. I uh, I think they would probably throw in a U.S. 
uh, based host. Maybe it will be Dan Thomas. Uh, that's possible. Yeah. Uh, or it could be uh, Adrian Healy hosting the studio show. Uh, don't discount that, although they'd probably want him calling games, right? Right. Um, and- but it could be because uh, th- there is um, – and there's also Alexis Nunez who's now in uh, – uh, based in London, right? Yeah. You get basically uh, – um, it, it took uh, uh, t- took uh, uh, m- a move to the UK I think almost a year ago now and is doing things based uh, uh, there. A lot of Alison Bender's old work when she was with ESPN. So um, – I think they'll probably have – they might take a few uh, pieces from the BT team, but I think they will have uh, an ESPN stamp on uh, the lead presenter, whether that's, uh, that's putting Dan, Dan Thomas in that role uh, or, uh, or shifting in a different direction. And I think you'll probably see um, a, a, uh, a, a lot of, uh, uh, of Gab Marcotti and Stuart Robson. Uh, in mm-hmm. their coverage, yeah, the, the one name I would mention put out there as a possibility is Kay Murray, and um, that's something yes, that yes. could that could happen um, as as a possible uh, host who would be available to do that and, and focus on that one hundred percent. While say Adrian Healy does the, the commentating as well as I mean Steve Bauer might be he, who knows who he, he may already have some other um, things going on for Euro twenty twenty. Nathan continues, uh, Mark Donaldson will probably be part of the team as well, but that means they would need one more commentator since Max Bredos, who worked in 2016, no longer is employed by ESPN. If they want an American, uh, Glenn Davis would probably be the choice uh, due to his 17-year-long long association with ESPN. As far as co-commentators go, I like Taylor Twelman, but I'd honestly prefer Steve McManaman. Since it's a European tournament, Stuart Robson will probably return alongside uh, John Champion. And it all depends if they have another on-site as to whether or not Casey Keller or Craig Burley do co-commentate. And uh, for pundits, I thoroughly enjoy Ian Wright and hope they add some English or Scottish voices to the programme. Uh, Craig Burley, Casey Keller, Newcomer, Don Hutchinson, Michael Ballack, Frank LaBeouf, and Santiago Solari will will most likely be there. I think Chris Sutton would be a good addition, as well as Peter Schmeichel, Ray Parler, Rude Hulett, Robin Van Persie, and Jermaine Genus. I hope they have more commentary teams at the grounds, but that's unlikely since the Euros are stretched across Europe, although they had all commentators at the grounds for 2010 and 2014 World Cups. I think it would be amazing if they expand the Euro Tonight show, which means they would need more pundits. Also, the possibility of the final airing on ABC would be big since the last um, two European finals aired on ESPN. Uh, the reason why I think it's this is a possibility is because they aired the MLS Cup on the main network, and that draws a lot less viewers. For some reason, I read an article that implies that NFL host Trey Wingo would host the Euros. He's a great host for NFL, but he, uh, but he has even mentioned on the Rich Eisen show that he knows nothing about soccer, so that would make no sense. I'm sure Jeremy Sharp and um, Julie Fowdy will do reports, but it'd be cool to see more reporters too, even though I know you lot don't think reporters add anything. Uh, which is true. Uh, well, thank you for reading my lengthy email and thoughts. I hope there's a podcast this week. I thoroughly enjoy tuning in. So, yeah, definitely great feedback. A little bit lengthy, Nathan, but it's okay. Um, and for the most part, I agree with everything. The, the only thing I think on this one is that um, if I had a, 
guesstimate is that ESPN wants to put their own stamp on this tournament, so they'll likely use a lot of their talent that they, from the US, some American voices, but blend that with the European experts and talent that they have available to them. And there might be maybe one or two um, kind of surprise announcements added to that team. Um, that's what I think that they're going to, going to do rather than to go to a very UK-centric uh, team of you know, studio um, uh, talent and, and, and analysts. But uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that's something that with um, ESPN not having the rights to the World Cup anymore, uh, in many ways, the European Championship is just as exciting, if not more exciting than, than previous World Cup tournaments. And um, you really have um, the cream of the crop in this tournament. Should be a good one, should be exciting. Lots of, I mean, of, of course, a group of death with France, Germany and Portugal. Uh, it would have been great if one of those games was going to be on the ABC, but it's not going to be. And then one last thing too about Nathan saying about the possibility that ABC might show the final. Right now it's ESPN. It's ESPN for the final for sure, unless things change. Um, and I mean, maybe if the numbers are really positive and there's an opportunity, maybe they, they would change it. But But for the most part, it's probably unlikely. Daniel McCurry, he says, uh, listening to the latest podcast on CBS and UEFA rights, someone mentioned CBS will have better streaming than BR Live. Um, Daniel goes on to say, I've streamed the SEC on CBS for the past few years, and it is consistently glitchy. Sometimes it will jump eight to ten seconds and I miss a big play. If this is what we can look forward to with CBS and the Champions League, count me out. Their track record streaming their Crown Jewel SEC package is sketchy, so why would UEFA be any different? They have time to fix this, but if CBS doesn't care to stream the SEC properly, why would they do it for the Champions League? Any yeah, that's, uh, any that's experience, a really good any experience yeah. with that or no? I've I've watched the SEC on CBS on television, so I, I that's a good point. I mean, I guess I've never really tried to stream those games, or maybe I maybe I did years, a few years ago and didn't have problems. I I don't know. That's that. Thank you for that insight. That that has me worried because yeah, the SEC is the crown jewel on CBS, and if they uh, are not if they're having glitches with streaming. I can imagine the Alabama LSU game a few weeks ago was on CBS, uh, the SEC ma- uh, matchup. I can imagine if they have glitches with that, that it's not going to be any better with Champions League. So that's not uh, that's not great. Next up is Nash Rambler, and he says, I heard no mention of CBS Sports Network in your discussion of CBS and the Champions League. Is this a situation where we we won't know for sure if CBS has plans to carry Champions League matches on CBS Sports Network until official confi- uh, information is released from CBS? Or are you both hearing from your sources that live Champions League matches will only be available on CBS All Access and the CBS over-the-air network, presumably the final on Saturday afternoons over the three-year rights period? Kartik, have you heard anything, uh, anything definitive? No, I, I, I think... For whatever reason, CBS has avoided uh, discussion of CBS Sports Network in this conversation, which uh, uh, which surprises me. Uh, but that's uh, and CBS Sports Network, by the way, is not in as many homes as NBC Sports Network. I know uh, it's very rare that I, I have any cause or occasion to watch that uh, network. But I actually did this past weekend because uh, the Hurricanes game, Miami Hurricanes game, was on against FIU, and we, I think a lot of our listeners know what happened in that game. But a stunning upset but uh 
uh, was on CBS Sports Network, and I realized it was in a different tier of package uh, than I had. I found a way to watch the game uh, going to a friend's house, but they—it's uh, it, not in the same tier that you get FS1, FS2, and uh, uh, NBCSN on on Directv. And I know that there were people when I previously I had the the, the, the channel uh, when I had UVerse, and I actually broadcast some games for them during the NASL when they had the NASL package. But I know a number of people could not see me on those games or complain that they didn't have the network uh, because uh, it's on a lower tier. So that might be a conscious decision by CBS not to mention it. Then maybe CBS will hold cable systems hostage saying, hey, we got this this property that's always been on uh, high exposure uh, uh, networks, ESPN uh, and ESPN2. Then it went to FS. Uh, it went to Fox Soccer Channel, but the Fox Sports Regional Networks, where when you combine the, the reach of the Fox Sports Regional Networks, it was in a lot of homes, a lot more homes than CBS Sports Network is in uh, now. Then when they launched FS1 and FS2, they took Champions League there. But originally, remember, the first few years, uh, CBS it was on Fox Sports Regional Networks, FX, which is in more homes than I think even ESPN's in, or a similar number of homes. Mm-hmm. And, and then now it's been in TNT on TNT, which is in I think the most homes of almost any cable network, other than maybe uh, um, like the A and E channels, Lifetime, etc. Yeah. So it, it, CBS Sports Network is significant has significantly less distribution than the channels that the Champions League has been on in the United States since the mid nineteen nineties. Maybe that's why it hasn't been mentioned. Um, I am curious about this Nash Rambler though. It, it, there's a uh, I, I'm wondering what they're going to do with it. Yeah, I asked my contact at CBS about uh, CBS Sports Network, and um, she said that we really can't say anything until the announcement is official. And uh, as of recording this, the announcement hasn't been made official yet. I'm sure they're just going through, the lawyers are usually going through the paperwork and just making sure everything is correct. But uh, on the earnings call that uh, CBS Sports had uh, just a few weeks ago, um, there was no mention of CBS Sports Network. It was just talking about um, the CBS uh, Sports. Actually, actually, most of it was about CBS All Access. The emphasis was on that um, and a mention of um, CBS uh, Sports over-the-air network. Uh, so presumably, I mean, we know that all of the games will be on CBS All Access streaming. And uh, like Nash said, probably just the final on over-the-air, maybe the semi-final. Um, but again, we won't know until we get some official uh, confirmation and more details. And uh, as soon as we get that, we'll we'll post those um, at worldsoccertop.com. Moving on to the next item, and this is in regards to my inability uh, to be able to watch the MLS Cup final uh, recently between Seattle and, and Toronto. Uh, Dave says, Lowcast is available in more and more U.S. cities. It's a non-profit that streams over-the-air broadcasters legally. They ask for $5 a month uh, donation. So ABC, NBC, CBS are a click away. Um, and, and yet, Dave, I, I'm familiar with Lowcast. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, I, I live in Florida, as, as Kartik does too. It's the third most populated state in the United States, and it has zero cities available through Lowcast. So um, I think I've on the Lowcast website, I've added my uh, email address there to, to be notified uh, whenever Lowcast would be uh, in my area. Uh, it's probably going to be a long wait, unfortunately. Uh, Harry says, my problem with the gaffer's criti- criticism of the MLS uh, Cup viewing numbers is that you did not even watch it when it was on over-the-air television, and you follow it as part of your website that focus on the, focuses on the media. 
Uh, Kartik mentioned the kickoff time, and and to me, more important, this was on a mid-Sunday afternoon going head-to-head against the NFL, where last year's final was on Fox, did not compete against college football, and was played on Saturday night. That does matter. That is why it feeds into your reputation of being anti-MLS. And despite my criticism of the gaffer, I really do enjoy your podcast, as it is always very informative about the media side of the business. And and yet again, yeah, I'm not anti-MLS by any means. Um, I'm pro-MLS in terms of the clubs and the, and the players. My beef is with the, the way that the league has been run. Everything from the calendar to I mean, the, the TV side, the TV production side of things. Um, and the lack of transparency and some of the kind of governing issues in terms of the way that MLS has been run, um, as well as promotion relegation. I'll mention that, too. Um, And that's the thing, too, with ABC. I I should have known better. I mean, this is my job. This is my full time job. But the last time I watched a program, a soccer game on ABC was five years ago. It would have been the 2014 World Cup, I think it was. And uh, probably... Oh, yeah, some of the games on ABC. So it's been five years since I've been able to uh, had to go go ahead and figure out a way to watch ABC. And I tr- going into it, tried Sling TV and tried some other streaming solutions, um, was unable to do so. And I have an antenna, so I could have watched the game. But at that point, it, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to forget about it and, and move on. Next up is Paul Robinson. He says, uh, I heard you re- read that comments about uh, Mr. Roses and Sunshine, Gary Bertels, uh, the co-comment- uh, co-commentator, when I was in the car. He was doing the Wolfie commentary recently on the Spain against uh, Malta game, and he wasn't quite as miserable as he is often. It's good to hear. All right, last but not least, Robert Thompson says... Um, the U.S. men's team um, game against uh, Canada was a real improvement, much stronger in the back with hard work in the midfield and good finishing when the chances were there. So this is my question. Is the U.S. men's national team better without Christian Pulisic and Michael Bradley? Mm. And, and Kartik, just real quick, my take on this is that um, it's not so much those two players, but I think really t- to me the way I looked at, it, at, at this game was that um, – Greg Berhalter pretty much threw out his uh, his approach in terms of the, the way that this team plays, in terms of, you mean, kind of building up from the back, the tiki-taka, tr- trying to get the team playing a certain system. That that went out the window in a game that mattered more. Um, the, the style of play changed completely. So I, I don't think it's a fair question to ask whether the U.S. men's national, na- national team is better without uh, Pulisic and Bradley because they can pl- play a completely different style in order to get the three points, in order to get a must-win, which played more into the, the U.S. system that uh, they're used to being playing, that they're not trying to be something else that they're not. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with that. I think um, it's... The question about Pulisic, though, is 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 a a valid one. I think we saw already that uh, the national team was not better without Bradley and, and Altidore. Uh, I think the one about Pulisic is a valid one, just because he's so much better than every other American player that there might be a tendency for uh, other guys to not see as much of the ball and not uh, essentially assert themselves as much. We talk about how great guys like Cunaguero and, and Gonzalo Higuain, et cetera, et cetera, are uh, Dybala as uh, Dybala, again, is you know, 
having a really big impact now this season, Juventus, as they're trying to hold off Inter. How great these guys are at the club level. But then they go to the Argentina team. They just they give the ball to Messi and try and, try and watch him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think the U.S. has taken on a little bit of that. And we saw it in the Trinidad and Tobago game now over two years ago where if Pulisic did almost bail the U.S. out. But there has been a now a tendency. He's so His level is so much higher than the other American attacking players in particular that um, there's been a tendency just to kind of um, become overly reliant on him. And that that's an unfortunate thing. I mean, I think I, I have to go back and look at, at how um, Armenia played at, at the height of Mkhitaryan's uh, uh, success and, and, and how uh, uh, Wales was. I mean, we could, you could probably give some insight on Wales with gigs and, and Gary Speed. When there were these one or two really elite players on national teams, and then there was a huge drop-off in, in the talent level after that. The U.S. is close to that point with Pulisic. I mean, I don't know who you would say is the second most impactful U.S. player that can all uh, at the club level who's also impactful at the national team level because even when you look at guys like DeAndre Yedlin and, and, and the Bundesliga contingent from the U.S., they tend to play much worse for the national team than they do for their club team. So it's almost a little bit of an Argentina situation. So maybe when Pulisic is not there, they raise their games because they have to. Yeah, and, and my thing too is with the U.S. is uh, – which team will we see in the future? I mean, will it be more of the kind of uh, direct, more of the kind of the US style of play, or will it be more Greg Berhalter's uh, style of play? Um, and whether this kind of Canada game was, was more kind of a one-off, just trying to get them to, to do everything necessary to win the game rather than like, playing this system. Um, and, and, and I think in many ways that doesn't answer Robert's question, but um, that's what I'm more interested in is, is trying to see in terms of the whole team approach. And uh, while I, I agree with you, Kartik, in terms of Pulisic, I think a lot of players kind of sit back and just let him go. I mean, just it's one of those things that um, he is so influential on the pitch, especially for the U.S. men's national team, is that uh, he can create so much. And, and sometimes other players... Their, their playing levels might drop off a little bit because, you know, he's, he's doing so well. All right, so uh, we want to get uh, your feedback. Um, so if you have any questions or comments or feedback or observations or tips, uh, or if you have experienced um, the uh, CBS All Access and you, you've uh, gone ahead and streamed the SEC and had uh, some thoughts or some input in terms of what your streaming uh, experience was like, let us know. We, we want to he- hear from you. Uh, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, uh, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to uh, find out everything that's going on about the, uh, the British election and, and, and who you think is going to win next week? Yeah, it's going to be heavy on the British election in the next week. So, uh, if you don't want any uh, any news about the UK election, then uh, don't follow, don't don't read my tweets till December fourteenth or December twelfth. Um, KKFLA seven three seven. Okay, is where you can find me. All right, and you can find me at World Soccer Talk. Uh, I'll be tweeting there. Uh, all right, everyone, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn. Audio Boom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. 
in Kartik heading into another weekend, um, including the Manchester derby, including, I think, Gladbach against uh, Bayern, I think, uh, on yeah. Saturday morning, which should be good. I have no idea if it's on FS1 or FS2, but it should be good. What should they do? Enjoy your football. <laughs>